Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And let's talk. Talk sports. <laughs> Amateur Hour! Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 32 of Amateur Hour. We are happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful, whatever day it is that you're listening to this on. Insert day here. Insert day here. (laughs) Thank you for being here. If you are new or returning, if you are new, don't forget to follow our socials. We have an Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, all under various handles. We have a link tree. So you can find all of those things there. But yeah, we are excited to have you be a part of this sports journey on this fine day. Shreyas, bring us straight into the highs. The Weekly Highs. Yes, sir. So for the highs, I'm going to start with my personal high this week, as we always do. And that was getting to see... My boy Max, for the first time in over a year, the Amateur yes. Hour podcast finally linked up. Yes, it's been a while, and been that a was, while, yeah, and that was at that was at the Red Sox game when they played the Rays on two over on Tuesday night, and you know we're gonna we're not gonna talk about the result, but <laughs> we're gonna not talk good. About, we're gonna talk about how you know the co-host got to link up for the first time in over a year, and that was a a spectacular sight. It was a spectacular sight. We couldn't find each other for a little bit, even though we were literally standing like around the corner from each other. <laughs> <laughs> like I was looking at the Shrey. So I had walked over uh, from my seats at third base to Shreyas's seats, sort of like first base center field. And uh, <laughs> I walked and I'm like, hey, I'm here. And he's like, oh, I'm here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was literally going around in circles. I was like, where is this man? And, you know, Classic Max, he had to stand by the trash because you know, that's what he is. That's where but... I belong. I <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> know, oh, but it was it was really good. It was really good to see Shrey. I mean, the 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 quipping and the bits that came out of just organic conversation was great. We should have just recorded that one. Should have been a Red Sox game <laughs> special in, in the in the uh, what do what do they call that place? Like the I don't know in the in the basement of the ballpark <laughs> well, yeah, yeah well it's what all the floors look like it's just it's like concrete but like i'm like i don't know what to you know the hallways so just like no one there we should the concourse the concourse is that what is that what it is the concourse uh sure you consider that I, a concourse yeah sure i, I would consider that a, yeah concourse slash walkway walkway yeah yeah, yeah. put a put a phone out there you know yeah. start recording <laughs> we bring we bring our setups <laughs> to sit right by the concession God. stand <laughs> i lug this huge computer i'm like oh, welcome, oh, coming wel- <laughs> welcome 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 are you guys gonna order a hot dog or not <laughs> lady we finished the intro <laughs> jesus <laughs> uh yeah but that was great even though the socks lost blah blah we don't have to talk about that well, we're not going to talk about that. This is the highs. This is the highs. But, but going, but going to Fenway Park is just—it's just fun. It's great oh, yes. energy, and you know how we talked about before how baseball takes a long time. Well, it only takes a long time when you're watching it on TV. And I think <laughs> you actually mentioned this, right? I think it's because of the ads. Oh my God, the ads make it. It's so got to be the worse. ads. They, they make, make it so it... much worse. When you're at the ballpark, we were in the sixth inning, and I was like, "What? What? 
it felt like it was an hour. It was probably yeah. more like actually like an hour and a half too. But I was like, wow, that went by quick because the energy is great. You hear the crowd booing and cheering. You know, you get to see the players. You get to watch the plays. Everything feels more natural and organic. It's a lot more fun, you know, to watch it like close up. And the pitchers don't feel like they're taking a long time. Like you just see them. They're like, they throw it. They're like, you know, hit or miss, whatever. Take a second, reset, throw another one. But on TV, it feels so much longer. Yeah, because like. I feel like this too is like when you're at Fenway Park or you're at any baseball ballpark, you're there's just like so much to kind of look around at and you kind of don't, yeah. you're not, I guess, distracted by anything. Like there's no like five different camera views and you know, you're not listening to the like just the announcer talk all the time. And just you can, you uh, can kind of make it. Hit a five two ERA and a hit a boy, three, uh, three oh one betting percentage. And you're like, yeah, oh, and they're God. doing like live reads and they're like, well, join us for the Budweiser <laughs> uh, hit of the top, day. Hit of the day. Yeah, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So you, <laughs> you can like make the experience kind of your own. So then when you're doing that, you're like, oh, the next pitch is that you're like, everything's kind of there. Mm-hmm. versus like oh it's like oh this ad or this guy's talking and i don't want to hear this guy I just kind of want to watch the game yeah and plus yep. i think one thing that's like i feel like what's a good pace for a baseball game is like it's never gonna happen but i feel like if it does like an hour per every three innings is like feels good like feels like it's like so like i look i kind of just judge like okay it's been three full innings like if it's taken around an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes or something like that, like that seems good. But like if, yeah. if it's more, if it's like an hour 30, then you're getting uh, into like four hour games, like four of 20 and you're like. But even three hours is a lot. I mean, you know, it's a lot, but for it's a, a lot, just with game, the amount of baseball games that happen, though, too, you know, it's like yeah. it's like football, right? You have football, but there's there's one game for your team a week. There is one game. So that's why people are like all right, it's Sunday or Thursday night or Monday. Like I'm going to carve out these four hours to sit down and watch my team. Whereas baseball, you're like, I want to watch all the Sox games because I'm a diehard fan. And Christ, you're sitting at the boob tube for hours. I know. Cumulative days. Well, it's it's interesting. I think the game that we went to, I think it started at 7.08, right? Because baseball's got to start at some random time. Random time, yeah. 4.0. 405 708 <laughs> 710 like it's got to be that right but right 708 and i think it ended around 1045 if i remember correctly which is like it was close to four hours but i was, was like late. it was late but i was like it, it's gotten so bad that i was like wow that went that ended quickly only three hours and 40 minutes that was great oh but, man but um definitely yeah obviously definitely a good experience you know, anytime you can get out to Boston, you know, walk around, grab some food, go to the game. It's just like it's just like a thing. Like, yeah, that's what that's what baseball is all about. Like, that's what. Yeah. That's and, it's, cool you know, it. you spend time you spend time with friends. You enjoy. I got to say, though. So what happened was, is I met up with Shrey in the eighth and the eighth was a really particularly poor inning for the Red Sox. And, you know, we were just talking. We were catching up. So we're having a grand old time. Go back to the seats. And, uh, and nobody was having a good time. Like nobody, like I just looked at the faces of the people around me and nobody was having a good time after the Sox lost, which was the ultimate outcome. The Sox lost after having a four, one lead. Just want to say that. Yeah. It was um, definitely a tale of two. Like, well, I know there's no halves, but like, if you talk about half of the game, 
half of the game is a tale of two halves. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a it's a tale of one pitcher and then the other three. <laughs> you know how they have a compliment sandwich when you talk about like constructive criticism. Our pitchers yeah. were like the the opposite. It was like you know you got to say the bad thing first, then the good guy comes in, and then another bad thing, and it was like the it was like the opposite. It was like criticism sandwich. So I was you know, it was, it was so bad. Who was our first pitcher? Perez. Uh, Rodriguez. 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 Put, he pitched really well. He had eight he strikeouts. Pitched great. He let up what? He let up like one run. Yeah, yeah. Two runs were earned on his behalf. Um, but then the next guy was good too. Sawamura. He pitched two thirds of an inning and had a strikeout, and I was like, oh, okay, pretty good. Yeah. And then Whitlock, who I'm usually very optimistic about, they don't. Oh pitch my him often. god. They don't pitch him often. Oh my um, god. Because he has this like innings limit thing based on you know the rule five draft and there's like a whole jargon about it but so they don't pitch them often when they do they don't pitch them for a long time they pitch them for like an inning an inning and a, you know two thirds things like that and he gave up four hits two runs two walks oh he, he had three awful. strikeouts but at that point like it's a 4-1 game you're all like they're, now they're back in the game and it's, I, then like, it was 4-4 four, ah, four. yeah ah yeah and then matt barnes oh Matt Barnes came in and let up four runs. He was in, supposed to be in the, the eighth inning, in the ninth inning. Supposed yeah. to be the close. Oh, in the ninth inning. Yeah, he yeah. was supposed to be the closer. He's just supposed to like finish it out. We were, yeah, we were tied. It was four four. Like at the yeah. bottom of the eighth, we're like, all right, we just need one thing. It lets up four runs. We're like, Christ. And two <laughs> two of them were, two of them were walks. Yeah, there was there was two walks, and I'm pretty sure he, I'm pretty sure one was a home run. Right, we saw a home run in the ninth. Yeah, that was the one that sent. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and that, that was that I was just like, oh, I, I can't believe I stayed. <laughs> I was like, this well, is... they scored, they scored five, they scored five runs actually. Yeah, it was yeah, and it was bad. It was bad. It was not, not only was it bad. I was like, I wish I got half my money back because I was that's how I felt. I was like, oh, this first, the first five innings were great. Like they four one. Like this is going out great. Like, um, I was right in right field, and the Devers home run. That first home run, Max, that was like right near me. I think I sent you a screenshot because uh, you, you, I think people could probably see me on the Nesson broadcast because it was like it went right into the op- opposing bullpen. So it went right into the Rays bullpen. I'm standing there putting my hands up. So it's, very, it's a very quick shot because they like pan the camera over to the replay afterwards. But which Rays like, is on live TV? On live TV. I felt really, I felt really good about myself after that. <laughs> but the i was like hyped after that i was like oh my god great home run and then renfro hits a three-run shot that was like a freaking moonshot that thing went uh i think straight into center field i was like holy crap i track and I, it just got dark so we were able to track that to watch all the way. it yep. just yep. watch the white white ball just all the way and i was like oh my gosh great four one yeah but then that was it but and then that was, like, was it that was literally it i was like what is this every hit after that it like it was like they would get on base and then squandered opportunity. Then they would get on base again, squandered opportunity. Right, let's keep it positive, Trey. We're we're feeling good. We're feeling good. It was great to see you, and that's it. Forget about the Red Sox. I want to be I want to be a little more negative, Max, because I just want to say that the game after both games that I went to when they lost, they won and scored more than thirteen runs, thirteen or more runs. So yeah. I'm like I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like. Do I buy the ticket for this game? Do I do I buy tickets to the game and then the next game right after it? Like, 
what, what do I do? Like, I, I can't, I can't be going to all these L's. I got to go to one win. Right. Yeah. Oh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. No, it's all right. I also think actually, you know what I think too, we were talking about the pace of the game a little bit. I think that both honestly, just any professional sports league should release like an adult version of the broadcast. It should be with field mics on right so you can hear what players are saying and how they talk and then you could also have and or actual like fun announcers that are allowed to like curse give real candid opinions like make (laughs) fun of people like that especially for like baseball sometimes that would just be fun like if there was if we were watching that that what, what was the guy's name whitlock Whitlock. Yeah. If somebody was up there just being like, wow, this guy stinks. He's supposed to be a specialty pitcher and he's garbage. Oh, look at that. Another meatball. Like that would be fun. That would that be, fun. be fun. You put that on uh, Showtime or HBO. Put that on Showtime or HBO. Right. HBO is where you have to sit, pay to see some boobies, but it could be the same place where we pay to see like candid, vulgar live sports. I think there's a market for that. I really do. I do too. Remember they were, people were getting hyped because they thought they would do that in the bubble for the NBA. Thought right? they'd wasn't leave that, the mics on. Yep. Wasn't that a thing? Like they were going to have yeah. the mics on. And I, yep. in baseball, they do that in spring training. They just, cause like all these guys are just kind of, like, especially in the outfield, they're standing there for most of the time anyway. Like, it would be cool to have, you know, a couple of guys gra- have a mic, you know, seventh or eighth inning. They're just, if it's like a an 8-1 game or something, right? Just talk to them. Just have a conversation, like the announcer player conversation with them. Like, if it's like, if it's not very, like, stressful, just like, they should have that kind of content. I think that would be cool, too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh Oh, was that your... That was your sports. Yes, that was my sports high. So okay. Okay. My, yeah. No, that was your personal high. Oh, that was my personal high. Right, right. Okay. So, Max, uh, moving on, let's go to my sports high. And that was also Red Sox related, but in, in, in an optimistic note, we're recording this on Saturday. So, today is sale day. And no, 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 it's not because of tax-free weekend. It's because of Chris Sale pitching <laughs> and for the first time in over close to two years, I think it's been. Like, it's been it's definitely over a year and a half. But been insane, you know, coming back from Tommy John. You sign him to this huge contract right before Dave Dombrowski, our old GM, leaves. And people are kind of like, uh, I don't know. Like, he's had some injury concerns in the past. You know, he's kind of like a thin body. I don't know if you should be giving him a massive contract right now. You still have a year left. And of course, he gets injured for that first year, year plus. And now he's back. But, you know, when he's pitching, like you want him on on your mound. That's a stud pitcher. That's a guy that got you to a World Series, won a World Series, you know, closed a World Series. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's you know big Cohen's guy right there. So it's good to have good to see him back. Good to have him back. And he's been killing it in rehab, too. So mm-hmm. all of his all of his rehab stints have been unreal. And so excited for that. And then Kyle Schwarber, who was our <clears throat> only <clears throat> only free agent uh, and uh, sorry, trade deadline acquisition. He was back on Friday. And you know, good to see the only guy back. And he I think he drew two walks and uh scored twice. So I mean he didn't do much, but he got he got on base and, and was able to you know, get in from that. So good to see both of those on those guys on the field. You know, 
we needed any push that we can get now. It's just been a horrible stretch of games. It feels so inconsistent. It feels like everyone's mm. spirits are demoted, players and fans alike. Mm. So it's good to see those guys. Hopefully they can you know provide a little bit of boost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome back, Chris. All right. All right. I'm going to turn it down uh, a little bit with the weekly lows. <laughs> the lows. My low this week was that I saw Shreyas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I kid. Uh, I kid. Uh, you cheeky bastard. Ah, uh, I uh, I kid. Ah, uh, ha ha. LOL. All jokes here. Um, you know, I was. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, people. Uh, no, my my weekly low is that I had a little bit of a uh, housing crisis in terms of uh, my move to Arizona, which I am doing. I don't know if I've announced that on this podcast, but I am moving to Phoenix, Arizona, from my hometown of Massachusetts. And that is happening literally in like two weeks. So if you know Ooh. any good places to eat in Phoenix, let me know. Uh, but so my law was that I... The pickled nachos at the Suns Arena. At the Suns game. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to watch just Suns games. And I'm like 10 minutes away. I'm not even 10 minutes away from Cardinal Stadium. So... Oh, oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. You can Literally see Kyler Murray right and DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, and we'll talk about yeah. them when the NFL comes. But We'll be, we'll be tailgating. This, yes, this, that'll be yeah. amazing. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. So outside of that. Oh, so yeah. So basically the low was not that I'm moving. Uh, I'm very excited, a little nervous to move. Um, but the low was that we found like a perfect house and we had like four people originally. And then one person dropped out and we're like, all right, we can still swing this to three. And this is also, we found this house after literally being O for eight. Like we applied to eight different houses only to get rejected for various reasons. Oh, Most of which having to do with the fact that we are young men. That's basically <laughs> it. And the Phoenix housing market is so hot that people can do literally whatever they want. They can have whoever they want in their building. It doesn't matter. Um, so after the first person dropped, we were like, oh, we can still swing it with three. The three of us were like, all right, once we got approved, we're like, let's go ahead. Let's do it. And then somebody literally the day after they were like, this is good. Let's do it. was like, no, this isn't the right fit and dropped. So that was incredibly frustrating. We're like, wow, we're going to lose this perfect house after everybody was like, we're all in. Thankfully, though, uh, two of like me and the person that we're living with, you know, two of the people that are actually going, two of our other friends who currently live in Phoenix were like, hey, we need a place to live. And they're like, oh, okay. And so we got it all sorted out. We kept the house and all is right. So exactly. low high. So it's like, yeah, it's, a, it's like a little high at the end, but. I mean, that's definitely a stressful Stressful. situation when you you're kind of, you know, fully in and committed and and you think everyone else is, too, because you're you're like right there with and, you know, getting an apartment, getting an apartment, getting a house is no no small feat. Yeah. So you think everyone else is committed. And then especially because, you know, moving across the country, that's like that is not only like do you have to worry about you know, getting the people is just like, Oh, okay. Like you have never seen this house before in real life. Mm-hmm. So that's just like, that's another thing. So, you know, you know, props to you for figuring out the housing market in a completely different state <laughs> and, and kind of getting that all together. But yeah. That's definitely stressful for that. Whatever. Yeah. A couple, yeah. couple of days or whatever. Yeah. It was not, well, it was stress. It was stressful the whole time. I mean, like we've been applying to yeah. houses for months. And just getting rejected and rejected and rejected. And there was a real estate agent that we were working with 
And she really honestly bless her soul because she did not have to work with us because we're leasing and she doesn't make a lot of money off of that. But regardless, she agreed to help us. But one of the things she, I like asked her at one point, she's like, yeah, they rejected you because you're young. And I'm, I, I asked her, I was like, well, how, what are we supposed to do? And she's <laughs> like, well, you can always look on apartments.com. And I'm like, okay. All right. You can always, you know, put on this fake beard and send him a picture. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, they're just looking for like, you know, wholly gainfully employed married couples is like mm. the ideal renters. So, you know, that's fine. Um, me and my friend, I, me and my friend Paul, who was moving with me, uh, we talked about getting married for a little bit, you know, just for the <laughs> joint income. But yeah, so we are all set on that. All right, now for my sports low. <laughs> <laughs> more red sox stuff oh it turns out i'm a red sox fan actually you know what i'm gonna say that i'm a red sox fan now because i spent 40 dollars on a red sox hat the day of the game just so i could fit in <laughs> good nice hat, hat though. Though. It, was, it was a nice hat it's a car hat it's tan Ta- <laughs> <laughs> someone took someone took cargo pants and made them hat. all right so my weekly low all right is the problem this week with the boston red sox right and so the game after we just talked about the Red Sox scored 20 runs. It was freaking incredible. We love it. The problem was, right, so they go, it's 20 to 1 in the eighth inning. You know, you just, you, you want to close it out. So they put in that guy, Phillips of Valdez, all right? You're like, Phillips, <laughs> it's one inning. You got to get three outs. <laughs> you know, if you let up a hit or two, that's, that's you know, a hit, maybe, maybe one run, you know, that's fine. Well, Phillips said, screw this. I'm going to, uh... <laughs> I'm going to do you seven better. Phillips Valdez. <laughs> Phillips Valdez literally let up seven runs in a single inning. In a single inning, buddy. All you had to do. Oh, my God. I, I think he was literally like from a high school team, and he was just throwing meatballs over the plate. <laughs> like, it, was tw- the, the, it was 20 to 1. People forget about it. It was 20, it was to, 20 one. to 1. Like, like most people had left by that point. They're like, this is a wash. It is 20 to 1. Good no, night. No, also, like, you, it's just like, that's great. Like, you scored 20. The other team only scored 1, which is, like, crazy. But then, crazy in itself. Yeah. Then in one, you know, <laughs> what, the top half of the inning to, to give up one seven guy. runs and <laughs> right before you right before you win. It's just like, wow, what a – it's like, oh, it's great that you won, but also, like, kind of a weird ending. <laughs> That's no, Shreyas. Honestly, I'm not, it's not even weird. Uh, that is a terrible ending in my book. Okay, the Sox by themselves had three hits in the first eight innings. They had three hits in the first eight innings. There were five hits in the ninth. Yeah, seven runs. <laughs> Phillips, go back to the farm league, buddy. God, oh my God. That's that's kind of that's kind of been our bullpen recently too, Max. Just like nothing's kind of been working. We didn't get help in the bullpen at the trade deadline, and now you're kind of stuck. And Cora is kind of stuck trying to figure out which guys will actually pitch well after the starter. Like you know, these these starters are pitching really well. Valdi, I think, had ten strikeouts in that game, so really good starts. But after that, it's kind of a crapshoot like who's gonna who's who's gonna suck next it's literally <laughs> like you gotta you gotta watch all these bull, uh, bullpen pitches with like you know your eyes through your fingers because you don't know who's gonna give up the next home run after that so that's just another another case of that so just ah uh, sure i just can't i just cannot <laughs> insane just cannot believe i just can't believe it i really just cannot believe it uh yeah 
So that had me, again, just imagine being a fan, you know, and you're sitting in the stands, you're like, all right, you know, I'm going to finish out this game. It's 20 to one. You're like, oh, it's 20 to two. Okay. 20 to three, <laughs> 20 to four. Wait a minute. 20 to five, 20 to six. Okay. Stop it. 20 to seven. What? Like t- 20 to eight. You like, I, like, I would have to think like, if you're a fan in that watching in that inning, you're probably thinking like, are they going to blow this whole game? <laughs> like you can like, once it gets up to like seven or eight, you, you have to be thinking like, oh, there's a chance this guy might give up all 19 other runs. <laughs> I like as the eight. coach, as the coach, and I know you, I would literally go out and just punch him. <laughs> like if he, if he threw that game, you would go like the team should just like the team is legally cleared to fight this man. <laughs> Like so that's it's a, you know how they come, all the teams come out for the brawl, but it's your team and you're brawling with yourself in the middle of the field. It's literally thirty to one. The guys, like, wait, wait, <laughs> you're oh, coming out to fight me. Uh, <laughs> I'm on geez. your team. So that is my sports low. All right, so let's transition into the meat and potatoes of this week. We're going to start it off with everybody's favorite topic. It's us talking about the Celtics. And boy, oh boy, do we love the Celtics. Treyas, after these two huge moves, which we're going to talk about right now, the Celtics are instantly competitors. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I kid, I kid. <laughs> we're going to probably still be like a 6-7 seed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I said it. Well, I'm not, again, I'm not going to make my final standing predictions until we get closer to the start of the season. Right. But and we'll do like we did. Um, we'll do our we'll do our pick predictions. We'll yeah, do we'll do our, our standing predictions. predictions. Yeah, we'll do yep. our standing prediction. We did that for the first episode of this whole shindig oh, this we got whole going on. Shindig we got going on. Thirty-two episodes ago. Wow. Yes. So you know, we, I actually listened to our first episode the other day. Does We've it, gotten does a lot it better. Up? Does it hold up? No. Well, <laughs> in terms of what? In terms of the comedy, yes, it's still like funny and like entertaining. In terms of like how we flow. And how the podcast is as a whole, we've gotten, I feel like, much better. Uh, yeah, I would hope so. I feel like we could just talk. I feel like we we're probably around then we were we were thinking like, all right, we gotta stick to the agenda. And we gotta but now we're just we're just chilling. Like it's just me and you, Max. You know it's just we're just you. I've me, got the lights low. I've got the lights low. Mm. I got the oh the Barry the Barry Manilow soundtrack in the oh, No the one Barry, can hear because my the Barry that's how White, good my yeah. mic is. <laughs> no one can hear it. Can't get enough of your love, babe. <laughs> Girl, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. All right. Anyway, so with these two moves, <laughs> enough of that Barry White. With these two moves, the Celtics, you know, I'm actually not mad about it. So the Celtics have brought back one of my personal favorites, actually, to be honest, Ennis Cantor. Yeah. I think this is a fine move for a cheap price. He is a good center. If you need. 10 points and at least at least 10 boards Ennis Cantor is your guy if you need a little bit of hustle Ennis Cantor is your guy he's got that you know I like too that we've made moves like you know Al Horford is old and slow but he still has that like leadership mentality he still has it like hard-nosed competitiveness in him right you know we have we still retain Marcus Smart uh, and then bringing back Ennis Cantor I mean we have guys now who are, you know, you, you could even argue Josh Richardson on defense. You know, we have guys who are like hustlers who are going to like put their bodies on the line to make the play. And I like that with the new coach as well. Like we are, we are stepping, stepping in the right direction. I think Ennis Cantor coming back. Great move. Shrey thoughts. I think 
it's good for the obviously the money we gave him. I'm still a little bit concerned about the big men. I think none for of these sure. guys, none of these guys really have any real defensive potential. I think Enos Cantor is a good rebounder and specifically he's an offensive rebounder, but he's nowhere near close to being a defender. Like he's probably one of the worst. And mm, okay. Yeah, he's not he's not a defender. Well, okay, okay, but 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 I'm going to def- I'm going to defend his defense. He's not that bad, really truly honestly. I don't think that he's that bad and I don't think he's as bad as people hate on him for being. Do you think he's going to rotate on some of these guys in the Eastern Conference again like Bam in his third or fourth year and you you think he's going to like figure that out? Like I don't know. I think I think he's good. He's going to be good on the offensive end. I don't know how many minutes we're going to give him. Right, he's gonna be mm. in this kind of revolving door of Robert Williams and Al Horford, and who else is? I don't even know. Like, oh, that's. I mean, that's that's, that's kind of all it, we have right? right now. That's, that's it right of, now. That's kind of it. Oof, so, if we look at this, right? Actually, no. I mean, Trey, look, you bring up a really good point, and 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 you are correct. And like, he's not a championship tier center. Right? He's no, not. No. He's not going to be able to effectively guard. Yeah. No, I'm not asking him to be that. I'm asking him to be a number two because he was a solid number two. Um, he always has been. And like with the Robert Williams, I don't. I still don't see Robert Williams as a true center. He's really not. He's a great, great hybrid. He's high flying. He can dunk the ball and he can block slash alter shots. Yeah. But he does not have a jump shot. Right. I do, it doesn't look like he's going to develop a consistent one anytime soon. And he gets caught out in defense. I would argue sometimes more than Cantor does. You know, when you're when you're running a really tight, really well executed pick and roll, right? That can be abused by really smart point guards and centers. For or sure, just centers and forward or for, point guards and forwards. For sure, which I think I think probably you know helps his case to staying as a center, right? Because as a power forward, you need some sort of mid range game. You know, at least past the free throw line. And Nowadays, you need to be able, yeah. yeah, and you need to be able to spread the floor. Whereas there are cases of centers, you know, not you know, obviously as a center, you got to do that too. But there are cases of you know the Jonas Valanciunas that kind of stick in the paint and you know muck it up and just try to get all those rebounds and you know block shots and stuff. So well, that's and that's Ennis Cantor in in a lot of ways too. And I'm fine with that. I'm I'm really I'm okay with him being that guy because he's also Trey. And this is a, this is something that I've talked about, uh, you know, before. I like big bodies. I, you know, a guy that is physically large and intimidating. Yeah, he's. And, and Cantor's Cantor's a big dude. That is a big dude. That is important, especially you know, I, I don't know. I did, not even especially. Just like I think in general, like you go into the paint and you see that intimidation and the mental game is a very real side of basketball. I think he uses it more on the offensive end, though. I just feel like I a lot of his games where he's getting rebounds. Like they're mostly on the offensive end, and he's able to you know, hold his weight and stay in the paint. But I, I don't see much of that from a, you know, if he's going against a better matchup, right? Is he able to finesse his way, Pat? Like, you know, through through some defensive matchups. I'm not there yet with Ennis Cantor, okay. but I mean, I can I can definitely say he's going to be a help on the team again, considering we only had Al Horford and Robert Williams to start with. So <laughs> I don't see why he would hurt. Well, the big man hole Shrey is real. The yeah, big, the big man hole on the Celtics. I just, it's, it's again, it's been, it's been like three, 
four years. I mean, Al Horford is not is also not a championship center. And I'm yes. okay with saying that. I really am. He's not, especially at this point in his career. I don't think a lot of people loved him originally, and I liked him, and I liked his game, and I liked his hustle. But when I saw him compared to other guys in the league, even like, I, well, again, obviously there's the there's the obvious comparisons of of Jokic and Embiid and Adebayo and you know kind of Porzingis and Cat and stuff like that. But even against those smaller centers, you know, or like less experienced ones like Rashawn Holmes, I, he can get beat. Of course. Yeah. At this stage of his career, he's prone to every old man stigma that there is. Yeah. I think <laughs> it, it happens, right? I, yeah. I, I think as a fan, if you're expecting anything more than, say, you know, a couple of flashy games, he's going to have to take his rest, right? You're probably not playing him on back to backs. There's no way, right? He's going to get the Kemba treatment for sure because you want to, you know, rest him and stuff and kind of give him some time to, you know, heal. But yeah. yeah. So I just feel like we have that guy already in Robert Williams. Robert Williams can't play more than 25 minutes, right? He's going to get his rest days. I feel like we were needing a cheap one-year deal center that could play more than tw- maybe like 25, 30 minutes, but could play every day. Like that could be like a 75 game type of player. I don't know who that would be on the market, but I feel like that was a need. Just another big man that could have, you know, that could be considered an everyday player. We didn't get that. And now we're just going to have to see if these guys stay healthy enough throughout, throughout the season that they can, you know, combine to complete a full season while they leave the yeah. core and then, you know, come back and stuff like that so yeah well canter i'm not worried about for the health for the health part obviously right. you know you knock on wood really, unless he unless he punches another chair or something yeah unless he punches another chair right or like you know <laughs> god forbid injuries happen but right. i i totally agree with what you're saying about horford and williams is yeah what what is it stray I don't, I don't understand what is it about like having a player with a huge contract and they just don't play every game. Like you are paying these these people over twenty million, over twenty five million each. You know, yeah. Horford and Kemba, and they just won't play every game. Availability is the best ability. Yeah, and that that's just those are players that are taking advantage of the need and the market at the time. Like Kemba coming out, you know, in that free agency class was one of the best guards, right? And yeah, the Celtics bit because. They lost out on Kyrie. Kyrie. And so they knew it and they were like, crap, like this guy's not going to stay. This has to be the second best guy in the market. And sometimes that may work. But most of the time, if your plan B is just because he's the second best guy, like that's where it could hurt because you just threw money at this guy that, yes, he's a great player and he was like an all star caliber player, all star player. But he just couldn't hold up. And that's something that they kind of probably put to the wayside because they said, hey, we have the name. You know, we'll give him the contract and we'll see if we can, you know, how well how, how he'll stay. And then maybe we can use him in the trade or something. But when the contract is that big and he's not playing as much, mm-hmm. then it hurts because now he's stuck on your team and you're paying him, like you said, $30 million. And same thing with Al Horford. Al Horford played throughout his contract, but didn't play you know kind of what we thought coming out of atlanta right he played well 
and mm-hmm. he's kind of that middle tier power forward center. But it's it happens where all the big guys they take advantage of the market, and the contract ends up looking worse because they end up you know having some concerns, injury or play wise later on in the contract. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. No, I I mean you 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 just said it right there, um, and you are you are correct and. At this point, there are no centers available unless we make a trade. Yeah. And, of course, you which know, the Celtics. Max, which is why I wish we had gotten someone like a Vucevic in the last deadline. Like, that would have been so helpful. But we weren't going to make a trade under Danny Ainge. I mean, we traded no for way. Fournier. I mean, yeah. just think. Well, and that was pressure. That. that was definitely pressure. Like That he, was pressure to make oh, a move. Yeah. And, and honestly, for what we gave up, it wasn't a bad thing. But no. the fact that we couldn't retain him, and we couldn't mm-hmm. retain him because of the money. Yeah, we're making moves based off of our salary, and that is a weak position to be in. It's tough. Yeah, and I, it's not like you can blame them for, but at the at some point you kind of have to blame them for being in the position they're in, but you can't blame them for making the move and not retaining them because that's just they've gotten themselves in this spot, and now they just have to deal with it. It's kind of it kind of sucks as a fan seeing them not really do much. Or, well, you know what you need, yeah, but you know what we need to do. I think you know what I think is going to help. One thing that I, I think is going to help turn the Celtics around is for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and everybody on the team to just show up and show out. Buy-in. I really do. Because at this buy-in. point, we need full we need full buy-in into the, into the system. And I think with the new coach, it's going to really help. I really do. But these guys need to come in this year, and there is no slacking off. There is no deep twos. There is no turnovers. There is an abundance of passing and of scoring and of camaraderie. And I sound like I'm trying to get somebody fired up, but like realistically, yeah, that's what we need. We need these guys. Yeah, you hope from you know, Ime Udoka's from that Spurs system, right? Hopefully, he brings a lot of that mentality and you know how Pop you know, played through everyone, one through five, where, yeah. whoever they were on the court. And, you know, the best players relied on their on their role players too. Like Tim Duncan was Tim Duncan, but he relied on the Patty Mills and the Danny Greens and the... Ginobili's Gino- and the uh, Parkers and the, yeah. Yeah, like that's Tim Duncan. That's a Hall of Famer. And, and you the know, Ginobili, yeah. Parker, Hall of Famers, but... Oh, but you're like, saying like like Dewan the... Blair, like you know what I mean? Like these yeah, guys yeah, yeah, that yeah. like they aren't like it's almost like the Patriots, we think, right? Like And the Danny Greens. Well, the Danny Greens, I mean, he helped them win a championship. For sure. Like the, like in that mentality of these guys play so well in the system. And I think hopefully Ime Udoka can bring that system, like an actual system that requires everyone to play within themselves and play through each other. I agree. And I'm I'm hopeful for that. I agree. All right. So before just keeping an eye on our time here, we're going to talk about the other acquisition that the Celtics made. And that was straight from the bargain bin. (laughs) Dennis Schroeder, like straight out of the bargain bin. Dennis Schroeder came to us. Wow. I mean, did you expect this this to happen? I heard rumors. I heard rumors and I was very impressed when I heard the rumors because I think that he's going to be great. I think he's, I love how he plays. I like him a lot. Yeah. He's six, one, six, two. I'm not really worried about the size. I'm glad that we have like that caliber of point guard again. Is he, is he a superstar? Is he a top five point guard? No, 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 but he's a good, he's a good player. Yeah. He's and got a lot I, of experience. And what I will say, Max, is that's that's a great point. And also, 
the bargain bin deal is not to be overlooked. Like he's getting one year, five point nine million dollars. I'm pretty sure it's the taxpayer taxpayer uh, exception. Exception, yeah. So, <laughs> and it's funny because he wanted the full um, mid level exception, which I think was nine. Nine, yeah. And Brad said, "No, nah, we're gonna hold our ground. You don't really have much leverage. Like you could get another contract and go to a different team, but." will you get the same opportunity that we might give? Who knows? Like, and he just said, okay, like, I, I guess I really don't have that. Yeah. And, okay. And I it. come to your team. <laughs> I come play for you. Yeah. Okay. I play Warzone in my off days. You guys want to watch my stream? <laughs> His YouTube channel. Yep. Hey, but, listen, he's got more subscribers than me, so I can't hate. Although, no, and magnificent cars. His car collection is really good. I've seen some of his videos, but <laughs> It's funny because I don't <laughs> – the fall from grace for this guy is has, has to have been one of, like, the greatest botched off-seasons for a player that I've ever seen, like, in any sport. He had gotten an offer from the Lakers for four years, $84 million. He uh, 21 now, mil a year. That is a bag. And he – he said, no, I think I'm going to get a hundred on the market. And he came to the off season thinking, okay, where's my hundred? And no one wanted him until the, the Celtics said, we'll, we'll, you know, pay up $5.9 million. So that, that is insane. And I think it benefits. It's so team friendly because, okay, he has to prove to the, the league again that you know he can play within himself he had a bad last year in la right couldn't really fit well okay he was the same he was the same as as trez as as montrez harrell and i don't want to say i don't want to put the bad label on because he well, still had a lot of highlight plays and you can see that he's a yeah. good player but yes i agree with you that he didn't no, have, he did not fit right he didn't have a great okay fine he didn't have a great last year he yes. was inefficient at times and he had ample opportunity, unlike Trez, who didn't have that same opportunity knowing that he was going to play behind Anthony Davis. Dennis Schroeder knew he was going to start as the point guard last year. He didn't play well. I think, obviously, that doesn't mean he won't play well, but I think for the team, they know that he's going to have to show, prove himself that he can you know, get that same type of contract or that same offer that the Lakers gave him again. And that only helps the team in, okay, halfway through the season, do we want to keep him and, you know, see if, you know, he's good long-term? I don't think we'd want to pay him if he played good, but we can also trade him, right? And a lot of teams, a lot of contenders might give a good, you know, sum to us for a, for a point guard that's playing well and only has, you know, 2.5 mil left on the contract because we paid half halfway through, right? So... That just mm. seems like a like a great deal for us. I love what we might be getting from him. And then I love the opportunity on if he plays well, now he's another chip. And we don't have a lot of chips to, to, to trade. So uh, I'm really liking I'm really liking that Dennis Schroeder. Side. Yeah, well, Trey, as long as when you're talking about trade, you're not talking about a Bradley Beal trade, right? No, and that's no, 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 no. I think it, I think a trade for a young a player or a bit. Yeah, a young big man. Oh, you know, James Wiseman. We did make a push. I don't know if we, I don't know if we're gonna get that good with you know the type of money we're given. 
Dennis Schroeder. But, but I think we but can yeah. get some. I think we can either get a a couple young players. Or he just has to play, you know, all around really well. Kind of like he played in OKC. Like if he can play like that, either as a role player or a starter, like that's just a win for us. So that's good. That's a good contract. That's a good trade. If we totally, to- totally agree. Yeah, he's uh well, and I think he's gonna play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, especially after getting all this hate. Christ. Yeah. I, no, I, I, people people are hating on him. They're like, oh, ultimate bag fumble. Duh, 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 duh. Like, I mean, it was. He, <laughs> I mean, it, well, okay, yes, but he he made a bet and he lost. He did. That's a risk. That's a risk he took. I didn't expect it to get this bad. I really thought that he would have been signed earlier in the offseason. I'm kind of surprised because people have seen, you know, he's scored, I think, 15 or more points per game the last four years. So it's not like he's like horrible like yeah last year was an inefficient year and he didn't look great at times but that's a score that a lot of people would like to have on their bench i didn't really see why he stayed that long even if even though he fumbled the four for 84 bag i don't understand it really yeah i mean it's 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 an upgrade from Kemba walker i think defensively i think yeah well hopefully availability wise too yeah, he's healthy. He's still yeah, he's young. He's I healthy. I think yeah. that's the big key is like if he's playing 70 games or if he's like, you know, on pace for 70 games, that's a win in and of itself cuz now you know you can depend on him. Mhm. 100%. Yeah. 100%. All right, so we're going to make the transition over from basketball to the NFL. Recently, the NFL Hall of Fame class of 2021 was inducted featuring characters such as Calvin Johnson, Tom Flores, Alan Fanica, Fanica, Fanica. Ah, got it right. John Lynch, uh, Bill Nunn, Drew Pearson, Charles Woodson, and last but not least, Peyton Manning. Wow. Congratulations to all of these fine gentlemen. And don't forget last year's class was also got their chance to shine this year because of pandemic reasons. So they got to do their speeches. And that was Steve Atwater, Isaac Bruce, Steve Hutchinson, Edron James, and Troy Palomalo. So that was also a uh, pretty good Troy class there too. I like him. Yeah. So glad to see Troy get in too. So what do you think about the class? What do you think about, you know, some of these legends getting in for on their first time? <laughs> Well, you know, this year I'm surprised that Peyton Manning got it. Uh, you know, I didn't think, looking at his career retrospectively, uh, didn't think he was all that great. No, I'm kidding. I kid, I kid. Uh, <laughs> his speech no. was great. I really liked his speech. He, he, like, you can tell he's just that guy now. He just, he exudes confidence and charisma. And, you know, I just, like, he's turned into a great kind of, off the field character he i don't know how he like i felt like i had to hate him as a patriots fan in those early mid 2000s years yeah he did kind of like the the a-rod switch up and people and like now people love him like a like like how they love a-rod a-rod was freaking hated if you're wearing a Yankees fan or a Rangers yep. fan or a Mariners fan or whatever, right? He was freaking hated everywhere else. And then now he's on ESPN, he's doing podcasts, and he's on he's doing business deals, he's on Shark Tank, and people love the guy. And I think the same thing happened to Peyton Manning. Like Yeah. 
Pretty insane. after the sports career. Yeah, but again, then you realize that people only hate these people because of the animosity that surrounds sports. Oh, for sure. And for some reason, people feel like they are entitled to have, you know, some kind of opinion. And they are personally affected <laughs> by the decisions of teams, franchises, players, individuals. And actually, Trey, on that, I just wanted to say I watched the Malice at the Palace mini documentary on Netflix last night. Super interesting. Oh, is that out? Yes. Oh, very I need- it, well done. V- super interesting. I need to watch. Super that. interesting. Oh, we perfect. should actually, if you watch it, Trey, we should do a little recap and discuss. Let's do it. Yes. Discuss next week. All right. So coming up next week, we have this. But my point still stands is that fans feel entitled. <laughs> again, like connected and like you know, I get it. We we love sports. Yeah. I complain about the Celtics like they are again affecting me personally. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, it has nothing to do with you, buddy. <laughs> Oh, for sure. It's it's that you're still in your fandom. And I think the fandom can sometimes take over to you think that's the person. And then you realize, oh, that guy's pretty chill. Like he's not the like, you know, he's not like an like an asshole. Like he may just (laughs) he may just seem like that on the on the field because he's competitive and he's, you know, he's he's asking for calls and he's asking, you know, what I mean, but Mm -hmm. he's a star and you're like, oh, this is another star. Like, oh. Like he has to get star treatment, but like these guys are all guys, and like what it's good, it's cool to see them like kind of outside that sports shell mm. and kind of doing other things that make them, you know, a little more favorable to the public because you're like, oh, this is just a you know, he's pretty funny. And Payne Manning is hilarious too. I think Payne Manning is super funny. So I just, I love him on those like you know the nationwide ads and mm-hmm. uh, he does. I think he's doing like the college bowl like game show. And I think I watched a couple of those episodes and I thought he was funny. So dude has charisma. Glad to see him get in because he's a, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Oh yeah. Hands down. Easy. (laughs) You know, glad to see Calvin Johnson get in too. I thought, you know, people were, you know, thinking about, you know, he's a borderline guy. Like, you know, did he play enough? Sometimes, like, you know, because those injured guys, like, like, well, how I feel about Callan Johnson, I think, and I think this is, like, the perfect comparison, is I think he was the Grant Hill of the NFL. Mm. I think, like Grant Hill, he played a, you know, a relatively short amount of time in football, playing nine years is, like, eons, because you're just taking such a beating. but. Right. Well, Grant Hill coming out of the coming out of college, you know, amazing prospect. He really showed out his first couple of years. Cal, like those guys were super consistent for the time they played, and then injuries derailed it, and they kind of had to stay ahead of it. Grant Hill definitely pushed longer because he was playing basketball, and he like his ending years were not as great, but he stayed in the league. But Calvin Johnson, like same way, like for the nine years he was in the league, nine, 10 years he was in the league, like almost like thousand yards every season. He had 1800 yards one season. And, you know, that's a record his, uh, or it was close to record. And then he had a 300 yard receiving game. Like he had some amazing mm-hmm. games and he played on some bad teams. So to get those stats on bad lines teams mm-hmm. is like commendable. Like anytime. Bad lines. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime when you're playing on teams that like you know you're gonna come in and lose, That's, and you ball out still, yeah. like, like I got you got to give props to that, and I love Calvin Johnson for it. I think he's super humble too. I've seen him speak before, do mm. 
thought it was yeah pretty cool to see him get in good class definitely and max is just kind of looking forward some of the names for next year in terms of first year eligibility i wanted to see what you thought about him what do you think about tony romo do you think he's a hall of famer oh uh, that one's a little year. questionable so that he's one's... up next year yeah i would say if it was up to me i would say no yeah but, i i'm i'm questionable on that but one. like i don't know like i feel like it not to you know diminish any careers out there or hall of fame careers out there but the hall of fame in general in a lot of sports has been very watered down and i if i were up to me i would keep the best of the best like those guys that either made a massive impact on and off the field or you know did excel when they were on the field if it was for a short amount of time Mm-hmm. Tony Romo, you're going to see him in these conversations because he has the yards and, you know, he was able to play in a long time. And, you know, he made a couple Pro Bowls and stuff. So you're going to see him in these conversations. But I don't think he won enough. Like on some Cowboys teams that, you know, had really good players and they got close and he just never was able to put them, bring them to the top. And obviously the injury concerns kind of derailed his career too, but I don't see him there. And I don't know what you think about that, Matt. Yeah, honestly, kind of the same. I mean, you know, he's an announcer. I don't know. He just, he he wasn't, again, compared to some of the other guys, like how, how are you going to put Tony Romo in the same category as Peyton Manning? Yeah. So that's what you, you kind of have. I I do that too, where you think about old Peyton Manning and like Tom Brady are going to get in. Is Tony Romo the same? Like, I don't know. So not I really. would definitely no, <laughs> so, no. Not really. Answer. Like, like, he, does he have any records in his name? I mean, may, maybe a couple, maybe a maybe. couple like random ones, but yeah. nothing, nothing of note. And again, yeah, he just hasn't won enough to to hold a candle to these guys. Yeah, and I mean, you're gonna see names like Philip Rivers come up soon. No, when he, when oh, he retires, God, yeah. and Tony Romo, and you know these quarterbacks that played really well, but. They're not are Hall they, of Fame. Yeah. yeah, are they better than what's already in the Hall of Fame? And probably not. Philip Rivers. Or did they is, make such an impact on the league, or on their teams, or on anybody? Yeah. Or were they like wildly popular to justify them being in the Hall of Fame? No. And if it were up to me, I would strip down the Hall of Fame. Like it wouldn't be like five hundred people. You know what I mean? Like we, I don't know how many there are now, but there has to be at least three hundred. Like, and it, it seems like a lot. Like, and especially with quarterbacks. That's like one of the more important positions. I feel like that should be a very tight run ship for who gets in as a quarterback. Yeah. So I don't think you should kind of, you know, just letting anybody in. So that's how I feel about Tony Romo coming in next year. Yeah. Well, we'll, I mean, oh, I guess he's, is so he's guaranteed to be in? No, no. So these are the people that are eligible for next year. So Tony Romo, Andre Johnson. I think Andre Johnson is close to Hall of Famer, if not a Hall of Famer, from the wide receiver. Demarcus Ware, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Steve Smith's a Hall of Famer. Oh, Demarcus Ware? Yeah. Yeah. Demarcus Ware was awesome. Yeah, that man, he's a, yeah. all 2000s defensive, you know, beast. Defensive player, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Unreal. A beast, to say the least. Yeah, for the and he played, he played for the Broncos and the Cowboys, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anytime you faced him on the defensive line, you were like, oh, Not crap. having a good time. Oh, yep. crap. <laughs> and Steve Smith, too. I think Steve Smith's going to make it. I love 
watching mm-hmm. Steve Smith. I think he personifies everything about a football player. Like he is, he, he undersized, but a freaking dog. And uh, man, that <laughs> man, that moment when Akib Talib, I think, uh, pulled his hamstring and got taken out of the game, and. He, he came off the field after they won the Panthers won. He was like, I sub, son, I sub. Into the <laughs> I was like, Oh my god, this guy has no filter. He's a dog. He plays like it too. He's not just a talker. He's a five nine. He'll 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 show up and run you for 150 yards easy. So Steve Smith's a Hall of Famer next year too. So that's something you to think look Larry Larry, to. Larry Fitzgerald Hall of Famer? Oh, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no qu- oh, there's no question. No and from, you know, from a fan standpoint, no better guy I want going into the Hall of Fame than Larry Fitzgerald. I there's so many times that I would have wanted him on this team and he's probably in the 17th year. Like like I would take him now. Like he's probably not playing much now and he's probably going to be like the third or fourth wide receiver and I think he's yeah, like third or fourth wide receiver on the Cardinals. Like I would take him. Easy. I just want that guy. Like that's like that's a leader. That's a guy that acts and doesn't talk. Have to talk it. And I love both players. I love the talkers, and they can back it up. And I love the actors, and mm-hmm. they don't have to say anything. Those are the two guys. As long as you can play well, right? You do do how you do. But Larry Fitzgerald, man, like shouldn't even need a vote. He should just be an automatic Hall of Famer. Aut- automatic H O F. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. All righty. Well. You've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas, and we'll see you next time. Peace.